Welcome to We Should Record This, conversations around deconstructing, rebuilding, and finding home in our faith and life together. We're glad you've joined us. In this, our first episode, we're cracking open the door on our own stories and going down the path that brought us to this great big idea that came out of a recurring theme in most of our conversations together. We should record this. There are so many people having these conversations alone. Maybe we could have them together. Hello, everybody. I'm Karina, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Nicole, and we are going to kick off our first series. Do we have a name for this first series? I can't even remember. You're the wizard behind that. At this point, we don't, but maybe by the time we air, we will. There you go. So as of yet unnamed uh, series, we've got a few episodes planned to just get this thing started. We're excited to share with you. Today, we thought we would start with kind of an intro. So, you know, the question to keep in your mind is this amazing, like, have you ever met somebody and you thought in passing, this is really great. This person is really great, but fill in the blank for all the reasons of why it's probably just a pleasant in passing meeting. And then you discover yourselves being like really great friends with a person or, or that it takes an unexpected turn that turns out really positive. Um, I can think of a few relationships in my life that have happened that way. And my relationship with Nicole is one of those. I met her at a She Loves Retreat, which I don't exactly even know why I was there, except that it felt right and I had birthday money to spend. So I ended up there. We had a couple conversations and really had no idea that that it would end up in this place where we really started to... Um, discover parallel parts to our faith journeys to the unraveling and the reordering that that would be happening at the same time. So I don't know if you've got a person in your life that you're like, oh yeah, that's this person for me. Maybe you want to grab them and listen to this podcast together and just kind of rediscover those connecting points for you. So um, for me, this was a, just a really unexpected great thing and I really did not take you seriously the first five or six times that you said I said it exactly we were just having conversations I was like hey we are really brilliant not really (laughs) what I recognize is we're having really important conversations yeah about how do you go about re-examining where your faith is at and what do you do as you're coming up with different answers than you used to believe were true? Yeah. And so what got you to this place of, um, we basically met while we were both sort of in the beginning, early middle stages of this faith renovation. And we're now neck deep in it. Yeah. Um, some things are sorted. Some things aren't. Yeah. But and I can tell you firsthand, I'm about in that stage in a kitchen renovation right now. So if you were to look that way, you would see to the left or to really the right for those that are just listening. <laughs> I don't use terms like left and right. Those are complicated. <laughs> it's my way, your way, this way, that way, whatever. Yeah. But my kitchen's a really good example of where my faith is at right now. It's mostly pulled apart. Some things are put back together and we threw out a bunch of stuff. So where did that? How did you get to that point when we met in 2017? Mm. What what are snippets of your journey? And I'm going to tell a little tale on this. This is our second time recording this episode because we were both afraid to go there. 
Yeah. Because we don't want to hurt people. We don't want to suck people into our vortex of chaos as we, <laughs> as we sort this out. But we're trying to do this with as much grace and honesty as we can. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, I'm really glad that we're, we're giving this a second go because I listened to the first one and I just could recognize in myself, I'm scared to be honest about this journey. And I think that actually is one of the markers of this journey that a lot of people are on right now, where there is just a lot of like, I know I say this a lot, but the, the hold the phone thing, like I said, hold the phone. I'm not sure this is working out the way I want it to right now. Like I think, um, and, and while, you know, we want to be able to separate people from systems, sometimes those things do really get entangled and intertwined. So if, if we can have grace for um, our listeners and they can have it for us that when we're in this process, we're going to do our best to keep it to systems and not to people and and that when we're talking about stuff, it, it really is just about our own journey and experience. And we recognize truly everybody is doing the best they can. And for some of us, that involves letting go and reimagining. And for some people, that isn't where they are right now. And, and I think what we're hoping to do is create a space where we can go, can we find a space to exist and allow everybody's process to go along. So for me, I was born in, um, born and raised, not exactly, but basically grew up in the Alliance Church um, in my hometown. And I, if, if you're not familiar with Alliance Church, that the joke is where we lived anyways, that the Alliance Church is where all the um, upkefallen or backsliding Mennonites ended up. And then when Josh and I got married at the very young age that we did, we soon found ourselves moving to a different city. And when we were there, we ended up in a an MB church. And it was... That's after, Mennonite Brethren for those yes, who may not Yes, Mennonite be Brethren, me. right. Right. And, and yeah. uh, you know, it which I would say all of those fall into some level of just like an evangelical church, not particularly like super fundamentalist, but still of that type. I'm I not charismatic. It's a conservative evangelical. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I would say in, in our time, uh, like about 10, 10 or 15 years into our marriage, uh, we start this, this very quiet deconstruction started. I think it took us a while to figure out even that we were in it. And that led us to um, a few different experiences with, with some church stuff where we ended up finding ourselves in kind of these increasingly um, like a Pentecostal church. And then uh, there was a time where we were at um, where I did like a ministry school at a more charismatic church and, and things like that. So, in that process, there was some really great things that we found in, in experiencing those different flavors than we had maybe grown up with and finding some things that, um, that were different and unique to like the Mennonite culture. There was some different and unique things with the Pentecostal word faith kind of culture. And then, um, a more charismatic uh, culture as well. And so the last few years have felt like we've been on this tour of 
of uh, all the beautiful things in the church, and it's been deconstructing and reconstructing at the same for us. What, how would, what is, what is your story, Nicole? We started in very similar places because I was the first baby born into a new Alliance church plant. Okay. And um, my parents then moved on to a very charismatic Pentecostal um, church plant uh, when I was about seven. And that's where I spent like my whole life is with Mm. these people in this church growing going to private school with all these same kids. Like it was, I was very much in this bubble. And then Mm. I struggled um, throughout my early adult years with some of the theology and some of the, well, if the Bible said it, then it's true and name it and claim it and prosperity gospel and um, just a lot of, like a lot of things like that, that were in such absolutes and it, and it didn't sit right with me. Plus patriarchy. <laughs> All this on the side of patriarchy or patriarchy on the side of this. I don't know what it was, but it was that whole thing where I was just like, yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't fit. And yet I felt like it should, because that's where I was raised. And I love the people and I was Mm -hmm. so deeply connected with the people there. But, um, I wonder if, if we could, if you could take just one minute and if you could give like a working definition for what you would call patriarchy, because I know some people will hear patriarchy and think one thing. We've got all these terms. If, if you could take just like a simple definition, what do you mean when you say that? For me, the way that that lived out in my church community and my faith was that it was a male dominated leadership style at our church. Women were, um, on worship teams and children's ministry, but everything was so male. Yeah. Male dominant. I mean, I was the first female usher at our church and I had to fight for it for a kid's program. I was 12 and my dad was head usher. And I'm like, I want to usher for this. And she, he's like, well, the boys are ushering. You're a girl. You're going to greet at the door and hand out bulletins. Like it was, it was, everything was so gender role focused. Mm -hmm. Right, And there were so many places where girls were excluded from entering into. And so many places where boys were thought less of if that's what they wanted to do. Right. And so it went both ways. And there was a lot of, now looking back, there's unhealthy um, confines that Jesus never intended to be there. And as I got older and I felt gifted in different areas of ministry and I felt called towards them and my own personal strengths, um, were growing, there were lots of places where I was excluded from because I was female. Right. And um, that's hard to say because when you talk to some of the people I go to church, I went to church with, they would say that that wasn't the case and that right. there's mm-hmm. other reasons and, and whatever Life reasons. <laughs> yeah. So um, I would say it was about, well, I think it was 10 years ago this year that my husband took a job transfer to a small town. Mm -hmm. and um we ended up wandering into a church one day and I'm like hey this is awesome I like these people and well it was a Mennonite Brethren church Mm. and the kicker on that was I didn't date a lot in high school but I did date one guy who wanted to move to the neighboring small town to what we ended up with yeah and get married and have lots of kids and go to a little Mennonite church and that made me run I broke up with him (laughs) like two weeks later when I heard his life plan I'm like I am not doing that 
And it turned out that I ended up married with a bunch of kids living in a neighboring Mennonite town, going to a small <laughs> Mennonite church, where they eventually um, made me associate pastor. And so, um, and pastoring out there and seeing that different expression of worship and a different connection with grief and sorrow and how we work that out mm-hmm. in that context opened up a whole different side of God that I never, I never got to um, relate with. And yeah. so although now you and I are coming at different points, like you were heading towards more Pentecostal and I was heading towards more Mennonite. We both yeah. I don't think it's about the denomination. Right. I, about experiencing different expressions of worship, which shows all of the colors of God, which is one of the 10 talks that we did. Right. But that was really vital for me. And in all of this, I started reading She Loves magazine mm. and I started being exposed to different writers and different thoughts and different um, perspectives of what faith could be. And so by the time you and I met, I was a hot mess internally because we had <laughs> We had moved back to the city after my dad passed away um, to be with my mom. And we returned to the mega church that I had grown up in. And it was, right. it was like putting on a pair of shoes that was two sizes too small and broken down, but right. still trying to make them work. I was just not there anymore. And yet we were there. And so I was, I was a disaster on wheels when we met. And yet that retreat was so it was so well planned and then everything that could go wrong for the organizers did go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just became this really organic expression of people being able to share their stories and, and talk about what it means to figure out your faith while it's in motion. And that was pivotal for me. Yeah. And I, you know, I've said for years that when you're brave with your life, it, it helps other people to be brave with theirs. And that's what that moment was, was there's so many brave women speaking up. It helped me to be more brave going home. And really over the last couple of years, there is very little in our life that is still the same as it was then. Yeah. We've just had to start pulling up the old floorboards and, you know, securing the foundation where Mm -hmm. it needs to be and then start building something new on top. Yeah. I think sometimes in, in our, um, you know, there's, there's that, that parable about, you know, the, the one who builds their house on the, the sand and the one who builds it on the solid rock. And I think something that's been helpful to me is, is to remember both places get storms and both places, I think, actually experience things that feel destructive. But it's, it's that foundational stuff. We find out what's foundational to us. Um, in, in those moments. But I think sometimes when we go through this deconstruction, we're like, oh my gosh, I've built my life on sand. I'm such a bad Christian. But really, for a lot of us, actually, it really is just like this renovation that's happening. And, and we're finding out what was the sacred and what was the tradition and what was divine and what was really just um, something that, that fit our particular culture um, and so I think, you know, as we're going through this, it can feel like it's a hot, hot mess. And it's helpful if we can remember the difference between tradition and unique cultural expressions and, and really the way of Jesus. And, um, and that, and that there is just this progression from order to disorder and reorder. And, and it's, you know, so 
if we can lose the um, being built on the solid rock means you never change anything about your faith and you never have shaking or disruption. I think that's not been a helpful metaphor, but I think when you think about it as like how you're rooted and your foundation, it gives you permission to look at all these other exteriors and, and interior things and discover that it's okay to be in a hot mess for a little while that like God doesn't move and he's fully comfortable. I think with our deconstruction, even if we put up something that's actually not helpful, not sustainable, if the foundation is good, you can take that down again. You can, you can do something else with it. And I think that can be a helpful thing to kind of, it can be hard on the heart when you think that the fact that something is changing equates badness or wrongness or heresy or whatever thing expression you, you want. I think that has been the discovery in, in my life. And I think yours as well, that God doesn't change and he's really way more secure than we ever thought he was, you know? And I think that's part of the reason why we've decided to do the podcast. Like it, mm-hmm. it really was like a year of you and I having private conversations and coming to these revelations in this conversation and having our own like, wow, okay, same for me. Like I get what you're saying and realizing that there are a lot of pe- people who go through faith renovations and who, yeah. who take stock of what's going on but they do it behind closed doors and they emerge these butterflies and nobody knows what happened on the backside of that. Right. We're afraid to talk about it because at the beginning of these renovations, often it feels like heresy. It feels like you're challenging what you've always believed, what you've always been taught, what the Bible clearly says, what was right Right. and good and true and holy. Um, But really what you're doing is communing with Holy spirit and letting Holy spirit start saying, Let's start to, to move and to grow and to examine some of these things because I know for me, a lot of what I thought was, was like the gospel right. was actually our human traditions of the expression of that gospel. And those right. are the same thing. And so being willing to let go of some of that stuff and challenge some of that stuff and recognize that there's actually a lot more room for diversity in the kingdom of God than mm-hmm. we allow for as humans. We find security in sameness when God thrives in diversity. And right. you see that in creation. Mm-hmm. There, there, uh, we always joke that he could make the whole world like Saskatchewan and none of us would have ever known the difference. Right. <laughs> variety sorry we're not not dissing saskatchewan it's just it's unique it's very unique compared like not a mountain in sight y'all that's right yeah so that that's what our joke like our family joke has been but i think that what we hope in this podcast is that you actually get a look at the mess and you get to see that it's okay and it's not as scary and and some things that you tear down, you're actually going to keep and clean up and put back in place. Yep. It doesn't mean that everything goes in the garbage. It means that we're going to touch everything. We're going to look at everything. And we're going to um, Maria Kondo it. Does this bring you joy? Does it like, I right. don't want that because she throws away books and that bothers me. <laughs> 
but it is that that thing and you know years ago when I was a children's pastor I did a whole sermon about about caterpillars because everyone mm. focuses on the butterfly but what a caterpillar goes through is remarkable and the amount of uh, nutrients it has to take in how hard it is to spin in that cocoon what happens inside the cocoon is a disaster it basically turns to mush and then it all kind of comes back together like it's we're letting you see inside the cocoon here like yeah. we are <laughs> we have not emerged anything at this point we are still looking and we're still recognizing that there's growth that has to happen and we're still taking in information we're still working it out with holy spirit and with people of like minds and people of different minds mm -hmm. and finding a place here and that's what you know for me was a big part of my friendship with you karina was that you're finally someone that was safe to say these things to uh. where I wasn't going to be on the prayer chain <laughs> having a pastoral visit because I'm backsliding. Right. It was good. It was someone that's going to go, Oh, okay. Well, I've not thought about that. Let's, let's talk that out. What does that look like? Or, or, you know what? I used to think that too. Like it's the permission to have a conversation and not be scared of ending up at a witch trial. Like right. it's, <laughs> And that's what I feel like for me, my, my whole faith had this underlying layer of fear as part of its foundation. And that's what I'm trying to excavate and remove because Jesus didn't mean for us to be afraid of him. Right. To be afraid of God. Mm -hmm. be afraid of Holy Spirit. And yet for me in my context, and a lot of people who come from a similar background, there is this like light blanket of fear that kind of covers everything because we don't want to step out of line because we want to be in right standing with God. And there's this righteousness we have to like move towards or try and stand yeah. and hold firm to when really God has us in the palm of his hand. If we allow him to. Right. And right. if we lean into that, there is tons of space for growth and exploration. Like he loves us way more than we are willing to feel. We can know it. But whether we feel it and live into it is something totally different. We can't if we're afraid of misstep. As misstep. Yeah, I think it, it's tough. Like nobody wants to say, to see, like including myself, like you don't, it, it is like hard work to look at something and go, wow, there's a lot of fear in that. There's a lot of control in that. And on one hand, like as a parent, I can understand the heart the I think you know we've we've found this ourselves in this place where there is actually a lot of fear in a lot of our traditions and a lot of our things that we call holiness or righteousness. And I think that people came from generally a good place, like where they're just like, I don't want people to have destructive patterns in their life or I don't want we don't want to experience pain but i think what we've actually ended up with is a lot of faith expressions that really are stuck like in that ego not our best self thinking that really its only goal is to not change and to keep things safe so we develop holy words around it and practices that we call holy around it and while they may serve a purpose what they actually do is create a constricting space where it's like, no, don't question that. We've already got the answer. No, don't do that. We already know the answer. No, don't go there. We already know what's right. No, don't be like that. We already know they're out. Um, and we're just like sitting here like, oh, like 
fingers in our mouth, biting our nails going, oh dear Lord, please don't like go there. And, and I think for me, a massive freedom that has come over this year is, or the, the past years, I should say, has been this idea that uh, I remember in one talk that I gave at some point a few years ago, it was th this idea that healthy things grow, growing things change and changes how something becomes new. And, and so it was this idea that having everything, all the answers and don't ever question because we've already sussed it out and figured out the way you're supposed to be is, is, and I've said this before and I'm sure I'll say it again, but that is a pathway to death. That is a pathway to something that has no life. I think it actually, you know, I wonder if, because things like having, we have conferences about how to have all the right answers and to logic our way. We've exchanged faith for reason and called them the same thing. And, and we've created these things where there is no space for questions anymore. And I think our, it's really a gift that God has given us in our humanity that if something is all answered, we kind of lose interest. And so maybe it shouldn't be such a surprise that there's a steady stream of people going, there's really nothing here for me then. If you've got all the answers and we can judge every and go, they're in, they're out, they're right, they're wrong, they're, it's this, it's that. I think there's just something innately in us that goes, I'm out, like, peace out, bro. I got some other things to do. That's really cool, by the way, to say peace out, bro. That's super, <laughs> super trendy. Word up, home skillet. <laughs> <laughs> and my children just died, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just lost the people under 20. All right, fantastic. Actually, but, okay, under 35, I, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, I Who's agree. Some influential people yeah. in this process for you? Who... Were, are they all out of one camp? Were there some authors or some speakers or anybody that really kind of moved you that made you go, huh, I need to sit with that. I need to think about that. Or that, that made you go, Ch -ch -ch, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Like who, maybe I need that more than you, but. I think that for me, like I was, I was starving for female voices in the church. And mm. so with the um, arrival of the interwebs and the YouTubes, I started, <laughs> I started following people on social media and just yeah. kind of went to another. So um, really the only pastor I had heard for years from the pulpit is out from your way. It's Helen Burns mm. from my church. She was like the She's first great. woman I saw like own the platform and speak yep. life and depth. Yeah, and I'm really grateful for her so, voice for sure. So when, when the social medias all started happening, I started following her and then seeing who she was talking to, which led me to Bobby Houston, mm. which led me to Christine Kane, which led me to about half a dozen other women who were preaching and teaching. Yeah. And, and who I actually really thought of as my friends at that point. I was so yeah. lonely that I'm like, these are yeah. all my friends. And when they would get together, I'm like, why didn't they invite me? Like, <laughs> yeah, they're, why am I not there? Yeah. One of those pictures there was a new girl in the picture and I'm like, who is that? So I started searching. I'm like, Oh, it was Jen Hatmaker. And that blew the doors wide open for me. Cool, cool. And she was outside the context of everything that I had known 
because she was in this renovation process herself. And it was mm-hmm. just starting when I found her. And um, through her, I found Sarah Bessie. Mm-hmm. And um, I had known Sarah Bessie's book, Jesus Feminist, had been out for a little while. And I really wanted to read it. But I was terrified because feminism was from the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Because I think it's somewhere in the Bible that it says that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. In Proverbs 31, but I'm not sure. So I went to the bookstore to purchase the book and it was the bookstore where everyone from my church hung out. Like there was a Starbucks in there. I always ran into people. So I literally, I bought it and I put it in a brown paper bag and stuck it in my coat because I didn't want anyone to see right. that mm-hmm. I had this contraband book that talked about Jesus being a feminist, like, cause I was sure I was going to go to hell, but I started reading it and I don't, I should have my copy here. It's got flags and notes and scribbles all the way through it because yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, I wasn't reading it. I was devouring it, like consuming it. And what I was understanding reading that was that, that this table that Jesus sets is a whole lot longer than I ever believed it to be. And so I would say that it was when I got to the point of Jen Hatmaker and Sarah Bessie, which was again, Edelette McVicker was in there and all of the writers who she loves it just gave me so much to think about and to work through and to understand and see Jesus in a way more inclusive light. Yeah. So those were like big. And I think on our website, we're going to include some of the books that were key at this time for yeah. each one of us and podcasts or whatever too. Mm-hmm. And also I read a book by a dude named, I think his name is Brady Boyd and it was called let her lead. And it was written from a man's perspective of what the Bible says about women in leadership. Right. But that was brilliant. And it was a really freeing book for me too, because I was being told at this time that all these women were like anarchists and they were causing problems <laughs> because they were, they're trying to make a space for themselves that wasn't there. So when this guy came out and said, actually, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just some guy, he's got a pretty significant church going. Right. He came out and said, actually, this is what the Bible says. And this is how Jesus interacted with women. And this is right. how led throughout our known history. Mm-hmm. That also brought another layer of, confirmation to me that it wasn't just these wild rebellious women going off the rails yeah that there's men also recognizing that what had been happening in the church wasn't god's dream for humanity right right yeah that's good i think i would say that a lot of my resources were really similar one of the books it wasn't particularly about like well it actually wasn't at all about an issue to do with patriarchy or feminism or anything like that um but i I had felt like I'd spent my whole life trying to be small enough to and good enough and nice enough to be acceptable enough. And basically that looked like basically trying to completely not be myself in, in a church context. And, and so I had spent all these years kind of like, no, it's wrong to lead I'd like get rid of that Jezebel spirit and just submit and shut up and be quiet and don't have ideas and just, bake, sew, cook, and sing like those, like, and so I actually did get really good at all those things. Um, and I have the pictures of like my maternity clothes that I would sew for myself and for me, like it just, I, it's all good. And if you love sewing, praise the Lord. But, um, uh, and if you come to my house, I'll make you good food. Like there's, there is some side benefits to all the years of God makes all things good, even when it's, uh, maybe not for the best reasons, but I remember being exposed to the Hillsong culture and just how 
it almost, and, and I mean, I've never been there, so I don't know from my, this is just my perspective. It just seemed like women were just, it was just like no big deal. And I remember hearing Pastor Brian Houston talk about, it never occurred to him to limit women. It was always just like, I just always like pick the best person for the job. And sometimes that was a woman and sometimes that was a man. So then the voices of, like you're saying, Bobby Houston, Donna Crouch, Christine Kane, Jen Hatmaker, who's not part of Hillsong there, but like the, the dominoes tumbled in a similar way once I got started. But his book for this, I was born really changed my life. And then Darlene Check's book uh, on worship, because that was something I was really involved in, just rocked my world. And, and I kind of stopped running and went, okay, God, I'm going to stop saying no for your benefit, which I had spent my life doing. And now I'm here, not pursuing anything, but willing if something comes my way. And so that there were a lot of, and, you know, being able, there was a time where we did a lot of commuting for two or three years, um, listening, being a part of John and Helen Burns's church. And it was really, again, to be in that culture where it was just like, like yeah whatever man like it's it's here and and so to see her and Angela and those those women there just to really occupy their space and to be able to experience that for a few years while we were really in a lonely wounded place it was so healing to be able to see that and to kind of give impetus to the things that that we like pursued in our faith since then so it was uh, I'm really thankful for all the voices. And like you say, they did feel like friends. They felt like mentors because it felt like in, in at least the context where, where we were, it's like, I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who to ask, but here are these voices that are like prophesying to a more beautiful existence of not one versus the other, not us versus them, but all of us together really creating something that's so much wider than we ever thought it could be. And so as we wrap this up for today, um, I just want to ask you, is there a practice that you um, it could be recent or something that maybe you did early on that helped you be okay with the renovating, with the deconstruction, with the man, oh man, is everything just a hot mess here? If there was a practice that you might want to leave with someone in, in this stage, um, what would it be for you? I think it was twofold for me. It was really coming to the realization and the deep heart knowing that God is not offended by my questions. Hmm. No more than I'm offended by my toddler's questions. I might be annoyed when it's the same one over and over again, but uh, God's much bigger than that and much more loving than that. And so nothing I could ever ask or question about faith or, or him or like, there's no offense there yeah. in the harrowing. Um, so I can remove that fear from, from my process. And also a lot of things seem really scary as you're starting to explore them. A lot of ideas seem terrifying. And so I just started saying them out loud to myself. Before I could say them to someone else, I had to say it out loud to myself a bunch of times before I would not choke on the words if I wanted to enter a conversation. Yeah. And so I sometimes saying them out loud made me go, oh, well, maybe that's not as true as it feels on the inside. Like now I need to think about this a little bit more, pray about it, read or whatever. But sometimes I'd say it and I'm like, oh, that is the weight of truth here. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, Jesus 
was a revolutionary feminist for his time. That is true. Yeah. And he is still Jesus. Like, it's still okay. You know, they yeah. didn't kick him with the Christum. Like, he was still, it's okay. And and that spoke to me about, um, I could go into that whole journey about understanding Jesus' relationship yeah. with women, and we will. But just being able to say that out loud and get over my cold sweats and my voice <laughs> breaking so that I can enter into a conversation with someone and ask them, well, what do you think about this? And how does this how do we live out this in expression? Yeah. So for me, that was, those were probably pivotal things. What about for you? Um, I, there are so many, but I think giving myself permission, just giving myself permission, actually, like that God, believing that God is so secure in who he, or perhaps she, or something greater than he, she is, that it, like, he's really so secure and and that you know in the psalms where it talks like he he loves the confession of an honest heart and so to just allow myself and i think you, there's something about saying things out loud things can feel really true or really dire or really awful when they're stuck in your head but to actually confess with your mouth the things that you're thinking is not going to send you to hell in a handbasket it is actually going to be part of the process that sets you free so what is it and and, and that it's okay that this journey it kind of takes an inward, I, most people I know have had a time where it feels like everything pulls back and all the connections just aren't, you know, happening, but that you will find your way. You will find people who are on this journey. It's okay if it feels quiet, um, but, but that you can, God is there. God is there on the journey. And, and if you're lost, he says that he's going to search until he finds you. And the thing is, that separation is probably all an illusion anyways, because if God can never leave you, you're never separated. And so then it's like, what are the constructs that we put up in that? But again, that's another whole episode. But I think I would just, you know, sometimes even just putting your hand on your heart and just going, it's okay, God's here. And, and taking that moment of stillness and just allowing whatever feelings come up, whatever it is that happens, and to just be in present with yourself in that moment, I have found to be really helpful and, and to say out loud because somehow hearing your own voice with your own ears can be, it's almost like there's a little bit of God in that. And you can all of a sudden hear, I don't think that's true. Or, wow, that sounds really true. And it felt really wrong up here or whatever it might be. I think, yeah, that would be the practice that I would encourage people because it's really low cost. It's just you and and God and and he's secure and he's not offended thanks for listening to continue the conversation and help grow the we should record this community head over to our website at www.weshouldrecordthis.com where you can share and subscribe to the podcast or sign up for our newsletter there we're going to share resources articles and ideas that will help you to keep these conversations going you can also find us at we should record this on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.